to My Favorite Theorem, the podcast from 2021. Um, I don't know why I said that. It just, it's a math podcast and it is currently being taped in 2021. I'm your host, Evelyn Lamb. I'm a freelance math writer in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. And this is your other host. Hi, I'm Kevin Knudsen, professor of mathematics at the University of Florida. No, look, it's important to say it's 2021 because 2020 lasted for about six years. It was, yeah. I couldn't wait for 2020 to be over. Uh, I don't think 2021 is much better yet. It's January 5th. I'll leave our listeners to uh, figure out what's going on right now. Uh, that might be <laughs> disturbing. And uh, and yeah, but anyway, no, uh, happy new year. And yeah. uh, uh, I, I, I had a very nice holiday. My son has been home for nine months now. He's going to go back to school next, finally next month uh, to finish up his, his, this is his senior year in college. And um, uh, I did nothing for a week. I mean, like when I say nothing, I mean nothing. Just get up, watch some TV. Like we're, we're like watching old reruns of Frasier. Like this is, this is the nothing levels I sunk to. <laughs> it was fantastic. How about you Very guys? Nice. Do, you have, do you have a nice holiday? Um, I had a bad bike accident right before Christmas, so I had some oh, right. enforced rest, <laughs> but right. I'm, uh, mostly better now. I have mm -hmm. gotten on my bike a couple times and nothing terrible has happened. So, uh, still a little more anxious than usual on the bike. We, sure. we were taking a ride yesterday and I could tell I was just like, ang or not angry, but just, you know, nervous and worried. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, okay, I'm just at the scene of the trauma, mm -hmm. which is my bike seat and yep. getting over it. But I, I hope I will continue to not fall off my bike and well, keep, keep that, that That's the only thing to do. Back in my competitive cycling days when I was a postdoc, I had some pretty nasty crashes. And, um, but yeah, you just get back on, it's, you know, what, what else are you gonna do? So anyway, yeah. enough of that. Well, Let's talk yes, more. and today we are very happy to welcome Lily Kajavi to the show. Hi, will you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, oh, thanks Evelyn, it's so great to be here. Um, I'm Lily Kajavi, as you said, I'm a professor of mathematics at Loyola Marymount University, which is in Los Angeles, California. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a number theorist by training, but I'd say that I'm lucky to have taken some other mathematical journeys, um, especially since graduate school. And um, I don't know, for example, this past year, maybe my biggest excitement is I was lucky to be appointed to um, a, a state board in California. So by the Attorney General Javier Becerra to be appointed to an advisory board looking at policing and law enforcement and the mm. issue of profiling. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's an issue that's very important to me. And it was an unexpected mathematical journey. Um, if you'd asked yeah. me, you know, 20 years ago what I'd be up to, I might not have thought of that. And I've taken many a bike spill in my day. So <laughs> I feel some nice affinity being here today. Um, yeah. Just yeah. got to get back on and be careful, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and and yeah, that that must be an especially important issue in L.A. because I know the LAPD has been the subject of some, um, I guess, investigations and inquiries yeah. into their practices and things like that. You know, that's exactly right. And um, I mean, over the years, it was under there was a consent decree. So an agreement between the U.S. Department of Justice and the city of Los Angeles with many aspects monitoring police practice. And mm -hmm. actually, some of that included uh, data collection efforts looking at traffic stops. And that um, combined with teaching a statistics course is what really gave me a window in more into policing practice, um, into problems that where I wanted authentic engagement for my students with the real 
world um, and and took me on, maybe I'll say unexpected journeys to law conferences and elsewhere as I started mm -hmm. to learn more about the issues, the ways that as mathematicians we can bring tools to bear on, on these social questions too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah very yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what is your favorite theorem? And I know that's an unfair question, but yeah. I will ask it anyway, and then, you know, you can run away with it. Yeah, yeah so you, if you, I know this podcast is not visual, but I'm already kind of smiling in a terrified way because I found this question so difficult, really an impossible task, because I thought it's like asking me what my favorite song. I don't know. Do you have a favorite song? That is like, hard to say. Like I, if you, you asked me, I would I would start listing things. I would not probably be able to tell you one thing. Yeah. What do you think, Kevin? Um, uh, Taxman. Oh, okay. I was thought you would name the opening the the music. In fact, for the podcast is a favorite too. Oh, oh true. I, yeah. I, you, gotta, I, you know, shout I, out to that. I, I do like that, but no, um, you know, or or maybe what is life, uh, George Harrison single oh yeah okay so you yeah. start out well maybe i'll count that as listing which is what evelyn said she would do starting because right. it's very it's very difficult it and is. you know i was really wrestling with this um and it got me kind of thinking about why do we like certain theorems i think i i pivoted to what evelyn said i started wanting to make lists and and of course it's fun to talk about things that are new to everyone um and you know, this has been a remarkable podcast and lots of people have staked out. I mean, they've grabbed those beautiful favorite mm -hmm. theorems. But I started thinking, could you have a taxonomy? I really saw it was a taxonomy of theorems, not by discipline. So not a topological statement mm -hmm. or um, an analytic proof, but um, but by how mathematicians feel about them or the aesthetic of them. Mm -hmm. And and so my first, you know, category had to be sort of the great workhorses, like those theorems that you just get, they get so much done and they, but they also, they never cease to amaze you. And it's, I mean, it's hard not to point right away to the fundamental theorem of calculus. Sure. And yeah. I think maybe in your very first episode, that's right. That might be what. Yeah. Amy yeah. Wilkinson. Amy Wilkinson, uh, yep just came in and snatched that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although, so I, as everyone knows, we do double theory, you know, we yeah. don't have a rule that you can't use the same theorem again. So. Right, <laughs> no, because that's one we use again and again and yeah. again. Um, mm -hmm. You know, even this past semester, I was teaching multivariable calculus and, you know, we have this march through line integrals, double, triple integrals, and, mm -hmm. and we build, of course, to Green's theorem, Stokes' theorem, divergence theorem. So these main theorems and calculus that I, the machinery is heavy enough for mm -hmm. the students that even if I'm trying to put them in a context where, oh, this is really all the fundamental theorem of calculus, mm -hmm. I, I I think that gets obscure, obscured for mm -hmm. students, you know, first trying to get their head around these theorems. And um, even though you relate them, okay, you say, oh, but they've got the boundary of this, you know, maybe endpoints mm -hmm. or a curve or some other surface boundary and you're relating it. And the relationship between differentiation and integration and it's so it's beautiful stuff but i think um i'm not convinced my students thought of it as the same theorem even if i tried to emphasize this perspective but mm -hmm. still they all of us can be blown away by how powerful the theorem theorem mm -hmm. is in all of its mm -hmm. incarnations mm -hmm. and so yeah. that's a great workhorse so we don't mm -hmm. have to talk at length about that one it's been here before but you know you just have to tip your hat to that one mm -hmm. but i was wondering are there other great workhorses something you put in that in that category so I argue, I mean, so you've, you mentioned the fundamental theorem. The workhorse there is actually the mean value theorem. Mm -hmm. Because the fundamental theorem, at least for one variable, is, just, is almost a trivial corollary of the mean value theorem. 
And I didn't appreciate that until I taught that sort of undergraduate analysis course for the first time. And I said, well, wait a minute. And then I sort of came up with this joke. I'm, I'm actually going to write a book. It's like a Where's Waldo style thing. Like, <laughs> where's the mean value theorem? Because in every proof, it seemed like that it was like, well, wait a minute. I, I, by the mean value theorem, I can pull this point out. Uh, or there is one. I don't know where it is, but it's in there somewhere. Um, so I, I, I really like that one. That's a really great perspective. I also will say that um, I did not have an, a, that feeling until teaching analysis for the first time, mm -hmm. um, of course, versus, you know, first seeing these theorems or learning about them and even learning them, to, you know, in analysis, not just using them in calculus. Um, you know, that reminds me that it's, so I was until grad school, maybe taking a differentiable manifolds class, and that's not really my area, but seeing, oh, you can define a wedge product, you can define these things mm -hmm. in a certain way. Oh, they really are literally all the same theorem. Mm -hmm. But I like this perspective. Maybe that would have been a way to convince my students a little bit mm. more mm -hmm. to kind of point mm -hmm. point to the mean value theorem because mm -hmm. it would put them on more familiar turf too. Oh, sure. I really like that. Yeah. I don't know other other workhorses or well, Evelyn. What were you so the first one that came to my mind was classification of surfaces um, in topology of like, you know, the, the fact that you can do that. I feel like I it's like so internalized to me now. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know for some reason that came to mind, but it's been a long time since I, you know, did research and was keeping up with like, you know, <laughs> proving things um so yeah it's yeah but yeah i think i would say that anyway yeah and, and i would sort of think anything with fundamental in its name right so like yeah i was the, thinking the, that the, the fundamental yeah. theorem of arithmetic okay so the that uh, you can factor integers as products of primes or the fundamental theorem of algebra that every polynomial with complex coefficients has a root um but then more obscure things like the fundamental theorem of algebraic k-theory. You guys know that one? <laughs> that one, I'm afraid, does not trip off my, all it no. my well, tongue. All it is, yeah. it's, a, it's a little bit weird. It just says that the k-theory of, a, uh, if you have a ring, uh, uh, maybe it needs to be regular, that if you look at the k-theory of the ring and the k-theory of, of a polynomial ring in one variable over it, they're the same. And, oh, and, yeah. and, you know, and, if you th and, and the sort of the topological idea of that is that you know, it's kind of a, it's a contractibility argument somehow. And, and so it, it's, it's, it's fundamental in that way. Um, so you know, these are great workhorses. Yeah. yeah. And even yeah. Um, they yeah. also, like Evelyn, you mentioned the classification, like thinking, oh, these results are just so fundamental. So in the, whether they have fundamental in the name or not, that mm -hmm. they're yeah. just like, mm -hmm. building yeah, I mean, also, like naming it fundamental. It, it's almost like cheating at that point. <laughs> <laughs> or 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 t maybe maybe not cheating maybe stealing everyone else's thunder is like oh i already <laughs> told you that this was the fundamental theorem of this um <laughs> well my poor students whenever i want them to conjure up the name and think of something that way i make the same corny joke i'm like it's time to put the fun back into and then, oh, they're like oh now she's saying fundamental again so yeah. Yeah. yeah i was thinking too that in different fields like we we reach back to our even as we're doing different things in our own work um, back to those disciplines that we were sort of steeped in. And mm -hmm. I think for topologists, there's so many great theorems to, to mm -hmm. reach to. Sure. But I was thinking even um, like the central limit theorem in statistics mm -hmm. probability. Mm -hmm. So the, you know, this idea that, um, that you could have any kind of probability distribution, um, start with any distribution at all. But then when you start to look at samples, um, when the samples are large enough that the mean approaches or approximates, is approximated by an 
a normal distribution. Mm -hmm. That just ne somehow never ceases to amaze me in the way that the fundamental theorem of calculus too. I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. this is really beautiful yeah. result. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also a workhorse. There's so many questions in statistics and probability that you can get at by gleaning information from the standard normal distribution. So mm -hmm. maybe I put that into a workhorse category. Sure. Actually, Heine Burrell theorem maybe mm -hmm. uh, could be kind of a workhorse. Yep. Um, although I'm, I'm sort of waiting for for you to say that it's actually the mean value theorem. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's just that it's just that uh, you know compact sets are closed and bounded. That's it, right? Yeah. 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 Actually, yeah. That useful stuff. Once mm -hmm. again, is such a workhorse that that's mm -hmm. often the definition that people learn of compactness, mm -hmm. right. like the first time mm -hmm. they see it, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, or like such an important theorem that it it almost becomes a definition. Actually, Pythagorean theorem in that case oh, is yeah. almost a definition. Sure. Um, slash, you know, how to measure distance mm -hmm. in the Euclidean yeah. plane. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that's a good example. Yeah, so maybe now we have so many workhorses. Well, another yeah. category I was thinking, you know, it's mm -hmm. beautiful stuff. Yeah. I was thinking of those theorems where um, the subtlety of the situation kind of sneaks up on you. So maybe, maybe you hear the statement and you kind of even think, oh, yeah, I believe that. Like the Jordan mm -hmm. curve theorem, I think you had a guest speak about <laughs> yeah. this too. So yeah. this, you know, idea of a simple closed curve. Um, so you just draw it in the plane. There's an inside and it divides mm -hmm. the plane into an inside and an outside. Mm -hmm. And I kind of really remember, I can't tell you what day of the week it was, but I remember the first time this came up in a class and I thought, yeah. But mm -hmm. then we started thinking about how would you go about proving something like this, or even just being shown or someone drawing a wild enough crazy curve where suddenly you can't just eyeball it and immediately see what's inside and what's outside. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know what this category should or set of theorems should be, but the subtlety sneaks up on you, even yeah, if the statement like, seems reasonable. I don't know. I can't believe I have to prove this. I don't, maybe that's a slightly <laughs> different, like the, well, it, no, I'm, what I mean is like, I can't believe this is a, it, it seems so intuitive that like no understanding that there is something to prove is a challenge mm -hmm. in addition to then proving it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and maybe you can't even prove it or I, I don't mean, I, well, how about the four color theorem? So this map mm -hmm. coloring theorem, mm -hmm. this idea that, uh, the four colors suffice. So if you have states or counties or whatever regions you want to make your map of that, if they share a common edge boundary, then use different colors that four colors is enough. I, has a human being ever proven that my understanding is that it took computing power and yeah, yeah. And I think it's been, it's been verified. They've, they've reduced mm. the number of cases also mm -hmm. that have to be done mm. from the initial proof, but I still think it's not a yeah, like a human producible. That's right. Proof. But I, but I think Tom Hales actually verified the proof using one of these uh, proving uh, software things. So, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, oh, but that, that yeah. That was controversial. That brings up a neat question yeah. about what it even what constitutes proof in this day and and age. I've seen interesting talks about statements where, mm -hmm. where journals where something's given as a, okay, here's a theorem and there's the paper that's been refereed and then later, oh, here's something that contradicts it and mm -hmm. people are left in a sort of limbo. Well, that's mm -hmm. another discussion. Things unproof, yeah. <laughs> un, un theorems. I don't know. Um, so, well, anyway, I had this category, this, it's kind of how the subtlety of the situation sneaks up on you. Mm -hmm. and I thought if yeah. I start coloring maps, testing things out, after a while, I'd say, oh, there's a lot to this. Um, but the statement itself has an elegant simplicity. Well, it's not easy. So for um, 
I uh, curated uh, a math and art exhibition at our local art museum in the before times. And um, one, of the pictures, one of the pieces I chose was uh, by a, a Mexican artist. And um, it was just, it's called Fig Figuras Constructivas. Um, and they, it was just two people standing there talking to each other. But it was sort of done in this, like, like well, we've all, the, you probably when you were a kid, you like took a black crayon and scribbled all over a page. And then you filled in the various regions with different colors, right? It reminded me of that. Um, and he and the artist used five colors. And so when I was talking about this to the to, to the docents, uh, I, I said, well, why don't we create an activity for for patrons to four color this map? So they they did they they created the, because it was just a map, and and they did it, and the pay, the the docents were just blown away by how difficult it was to do a four coloring. You know, five colors is fairly easy, but four was a real challenge. So that it, sounds really fun, yeah. and what a great example of mm -hmm. math and art mm -hmm. coming coming yeah. together. And yeah. my understanding of the history of this too is that the five color theorem was, you know, not just before pretty easy. before four colors, but was yeah. kind of doable yeah, I think in the it's sense not that hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah right. Certainly not that hard in the sense of firing up the computers and whatever else was done needing a supercomputer yeah. in 1976 yeah. which yeah. probably which isn't... is basically my phone that's now, right maybe. Yeah, that's i right. don't know <laughs> yeah. um well i had another category in mind which is uh, the theorems where the proofs are just so darn cute okay and and, and so what i was thinking of as an ex i tried to have an example for each of these mm -hmm. um but um which was like uh, the reels being uncountable mm -hmm. and yeah. i think you've had guests talk about this and you know yeah. like a diagonalization argument like say just look at the reels only from zero to one mm -hmm. and suppose you claim that it is you have a countable set okay go ahead and list them in order in whatever ordering mm -hmm. you've got for countability and then you can construct a new element by whatever was in the first place of your first element do something different in your first place whatever was in the second place of the second element do something different in your second place of your new element and so on down the line. So you go along a diagonal if you had listed these. And so this, I, I don't know, my crude description of a diagonalization mm -hmm. argument that you can construct a new element that wasn't in your original original set and so mm -hmm. contra contradict the, the countability. I don't know, I thought that's really cute. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and that, that was probably like the first theorem that really knocked my socks off. Mm -hmm. Um, it's definitely a greatest hit on our show. Yeah. Here. Uh, yeah. So I guess that's what I was wondering. We've had a greatest, a greatest hits, um, a greatest hits show. Yeah. So I don't know. This taxonomy is kind of disintegrated because like workhorses, just so darn cute um, <laughs> situation sneaks up on you. But I, yeah, I don't know if there are others that fit into the just so darn cute. Um, that was the one that came to mind for me because I kind of wanted on my favorites. And then I was like, oh, someone's already talked about this other <laughs> on the show. Well, I, I really like, so I'm a topologist and, and I really like um, the theorem that there are only uh, four division algebras over the reals. So the reals, the complexes, the quaternions and the octonions. And um, and it's a topological proof. Well, I mean, I'm, there, there's probably an algebraic proof, but, um, but my, the, my favorite proof is topological. So I don't know if it's cute, but um, that isn't what you'd expect the proof of that to be. No, sure. no, and it's it's sort of I'm, I'm looking through it. So I taught this course last year, and I'm trying to remember the exact way the proof goes. Not that our listeners really want to hear it, but um, <laughs> but it's it's it, it involves cohomology, and 
it's really pretty remarkable how this uh, how, how this actually works. Oh, here it is. Um, yeah, so it's not. Oh, yeah. So it involves um, it involves the cohomology rings of the of real projective spaces. And so if you had one of these division algebras, you could um, you 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 look at, at some certain maps on cohomology and you sort of realize that things can't happen. So I think that's very well. I don't know if it's cute, but it's 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 a pretty awesome you know, application of something that we spend yeah, all this time developing. Yeah, but it's so neat when a different field, so, you know, we have these silos historically, algebra, topology, and so on. Mm -hmm. So the idea that a topological proof gives you this algebraic result is already yeah. well, you know, yeah. a delight. But then that's heavy machinery. That sounds like a really neat... Or fundamental theorem of algebra, right? right? Well, that's when I was thinking, when you yeah. started yeah. saying, oh, there's a yeah. topological proof. I started thinking, oh, fundamental theorem of algebra, yeah. you know, fire up your complex analysis. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm neat stuff yeah um, well and there's this proof of the pythagorean theorem um that i have seen attributed to albert einstein i think mm -hmm. um that has to do at uh, steve strogatz wrote a i think an article for the new yorker about it so oh, instead yeah. of listening uh -huh. to my bad explanation of it it, it, like semi-remembered from several years ago, you can go read it. But it, it has to do basically with scaling, and it's a kind of a surprising way to approach that um, mm -hmm. that statement. I, I think it's, it's I think it was in the New York Times, or uh, it's also in his book, The Joy of X. I think it's in there too. And mm -hmm. yeah, I, I do okay. sort of vaguely remember this. It is it is very. It's uh, a nice one. It's very clever. Yeah, this makes me want to swing back to many, thing, many things. It's also reminding me, so here we are in pandemic times. Mm -hmm. And I'm so at the university I'm at, we're not spending time in the department. But you reminded me that when I wander around the department, sometimes we have um, students' projects or work from previous semesters up on, you know, here and there, along with other posters. And I'll, I'll look at something and say, oh, I hadn't thought about Pythagorean theorem from that context or in that way mm -hmm. so just different representations of these so maybe there should be a category where there, there are so many proofs that you can reach to and they're mm -hmm. each delightful in their own yeah their own way mm -hmm. or people mm -hmm. could you could start to ask people what's your favorite proof <laughs> instead of the favorite <laughs> I theorem think we, maybe i even. think we did that with ken ribbit when he was because he, he did the yeah. the infinity infinitude of primes and mm -hmm. he, he gave us at least three proofs yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah and i think yeah, three, three pairings delightful. to boot mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> nice That's right. yeah nice yeah, yeah. Well, I'm wondering if another, so there was the so darn cute, how about something where the simplicity of the statement draws you in, but that the method of the proof may just open up all kinds of other problems or techniques that, so in other words, I guess what I'm saying is some theorems, we really love the result of the theorem, maybe fundamental theorem of calculus. I, um, that result itself is so useful. But on the other hand, for Ma's last theorem, I don't mm -hmm. know if anyone's even pointed to that on the on the show, but something in number theory where the statement was, I mean, this is how I got suckered into number theory. That's mm -hmm. what I would say. <laughs> so mm -hmm. you have this statement, you mentioned the Pythagorean theorem. So this idea that um, that if you have, you could find numbers where the sum of two squares is itself a square, like three squared plus four squared equals mm -hmm. five squared. But what if you had cubes instead? Could you find a cubed plus b cubed equals c cubed mm -hmm. or any pi a to the n plus b to the n equals c to the n? and you know, that's a statement that, um, although the machinery of number theory that's developed to ultimately prove this is so technical, mm -hmm. and I've also looked at curves and modularity, all kinds of neat stuff, but that the statement was very simple. And of course, at some level, then it wasn't even just proving that statement. It was, oh, the tools and techniques we can develop 
oh, from yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember telling a roommate in college about, oh, there's this theorem. Well, it's not even proven. So that was a question too. Why are we calling this a theorem? So back in the day, that was mm-hmm. not a theorem, yes. but it was still called for us. That's yep. theorem, right? Um, and and telling, you know, relating the story that relates that Fermat was writing in the margin of his, I don't know, his arithmetic or something, the 1600s. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that he said, I had the most delightful proof for this with the margin too small to contain it. And my roommate's first reaction actually was, has anyone looked through all of his papers <laughs> to find right. the proof? And um, and that was nice because it's different, you know, coming from a different discipline, doing, mm-hmm. you know, studying English and history and so on. Because the mathematics, I, I, well, to me, that wasn't the first reaction was like, oh, if Fermat thought he had a proof, can we, you know, figure it out too? Mm-hmm. Or can we figure out what he, maybe he had something, but, you know, what mistake might he have made? Because yeah. there's more yeah. to this one, perhaps. Um, yeah. But anyway, the category was statements that draw you in with their simplicity. Maybe the four color theorem should have landed mm-hmm. here. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, draw um, you in. It's kind of, I don't know if is maybe a bad analogy to draw, but kind of catfishing, you know? <laughs> oh yeah, here's just this nice, well-behaved statement, and oh yeah, now it's a giant mess to prove. Yeah, so that's actually Jordan terrible theorem thing to come almost against. Could. Oh yes, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe all of a lot of these end up there. Then there's that way though, if something's finally, sometimes I don't know, you prove something, you're like, oh, why didn't I think of that mm-hmm. earlier? Mm-hmm. I don't know that Fermat will ever land there. For me, but maybe the Jordan, maybe there are aspects of some of these that, um, uh, I don't know, you just come to a different understanding on the other side of the, the hill. Um, yeah. yeah. So I, I think if I were doing this taxonomy, one of my categories, which is probably not a good category, but I, I think I would have a sentimental attachment to it and be unable to get rid of it, um, would be like, theorems with weird numbers in them or or really big numbers in them like the one that we talked about with laura tallman where it's this absurd bound for the number of Reitermeister moves you have to do for knots mm-hmm. um like i there's some theorems where like you've got some weird it's, it's like oh yeah this theorem is it works for everything except the number 128 and it's mm-hmm. just like theorems with weird numbers in them mm-hmm. or weird numbers in their proofs I think would be one of mine or like the um, the proof of the ternary Goldbach conjecture several years ago which I only remember because I wrote about it is basically proving that it works up through a certain very large number of just individual cases and then having some argument that works above 10 to the some large number mm-hmm. and like that's just a little funny it's like oh yeah we checked the first 12 quadrillion and mm-hmm. then once we did that we were in the made in the shade and i don't know i think i think that goes a long way with me mm-hmm. how about uh theorems with uh with silly names like uh <laughs> like the ham sand, I think the, the ham the topologist yeah. yeah the topologist corner the market on this yeah right? we really do. no maybe we really do. yeah the ham sandwich no i like so we need to find one that's like unusual cases or a funny number comes up and it yeah. has a funny name to boot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I love these categories. Well, how about um, how about something where the statement might surprise the casual listener? So, in other words, um, by now, like the Brouwer fixed point theorem. Maybe mm-hmm. I, chatting with my students, I say, "Oh, if we tossed a map of California onto the table because I'm in California, mm-hmm. there's some point on the map that's lying above its point in the real world, mm-hmm. and then we kind of oh, but I could do it all over again, toss it again, it doesn't land the same way, and then." 
and then start to realize, oh, there's something going on here. But may, I don't know if that's surprising. Maybe my students are a captive audience. I say surprising <laughs> to the casual listener. Maybe it's surprising to the captive audience. I don't know. Hmm. Um, yeah, well, that that's definitely like a it, one where the theorem doesn't seem surprising or, or, you know, the theorem doesn't seem that strange. And then it has these applications or examples that it gives you that you're like oh wow like that makes you think like for me it's always the weather um what what is what is it that there are two antipodal yeah. points on the mm -hmm. earth with the same you know mm -hmm. wind speed mm -hmm. or at any given time or yeah, temperature the, whatever the the thing is for the that you want to measure the Borsuku maybe the same of both i don't remember how many dimensions you get from well, it, well you, yes. you could do it in every dimension so yeah it's the Borsuk-Ulam theorem which is mm -hmm. a map from the yeah. n the n sphere into rn has to send a pair of antipodal points to the same point right yeah. so but yeah it's like shot. the yeah. theorem when you read it doesn't seem like it's no it has anything weird going on and then when you actually do it you're like whoa that's a little weird mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. oh yeah i'd like that maybe that's true so many of the things we we look at um so i guess i realized as I'm, i was thinking about these i was tipping towards theorems where there's also some kind of analogy or way to convey it without the technical detail mm -hmm. certainly if the category is to draw on the casual listener or to sucker mm -hmm. someone in without the technical <laughs> machinery <laughs> Um, yeah, so I don't know what would be next to the taxonomy of theorems. Do you have other ideas? I'm not sure. I would, yeah, I feel like I'd need to sit down for a little bit. Actually, first go through our archives and like yeah. look mm -hmm. at the theorems that people right. have picked and see where I think they would land. Mm -hmm. But I had a funny yeah. taxonomy category that's very narrow, but it could be guess that theorem. But I was thinking theorems with cute names or interesting, funny names that have also been proven in popular films. Uh, oh, oh, so the, oh, the snake lemma. There's that's so, ding, oh, ding, ding. Yeah. we um, have a winner. That's now, the one now, I was now, thinking. Now, don't don't pin me down on what the movie is. I can't remember, but uh, I think it's called "It's My Turn." That's it. Yeah. Yep. Wow, this right. is you. The yes. dynamic duo here has exactly. <laughs> and I have to admit, when I was thinking of it, I was like, I don't remember the movie, and I had to I had to mm -hmm. look it up. But um, anyway, yeah. so I, homological algebra any... comes to the rescue. Yeah, yeah I, I've seen that scene from it, but I've never seen the rest of the movie for sure. Has anybody? <laughs> maybe mathematicians. Maybe we should DVD. I it might might never have well, been is, popular enough to get to the new format. And isn't that the last time that there's any math in the movie? Like it's this opening scene, and and she proves the theorem, and then that's it. Mm -hmm. Never any, never maybe. anymore. Well, yeah. so it's really a tragedy, the film, but yeah. <laughs> but um, no, they say this is the year that um, people said, oh, they watched all of Netflix. I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> so this is the year then to reach out to yeah. expand. Okay. Or maybe if we rise up and request more streaming options for the movie. I would like to show my students, students that. Um, yeah, but I also admit I haven't seen the film. Um, I, maybe a big core category we're missing is those theorems that really bridge different areas or topics so I, well kevin you gave the example of a statement that could be algebraic but it's proven topologically mm -hmm. but then i was thinking are there theorems that um kind of point to a dictionary between areas or um mm. and and i only had one little example in mind but maybe i'll call it my little unsung hero mm -hmm. so maybe, I've got a theorem that won't be as familiar to folks, but I was thinking of something called Bellis theorem, mm -hmm. and um, so not as well known as the others, perhaps. But the number of theorists and arithmetic geometers are really interested in, um, and there and and actually, I 
went ahead and print out ahead of time these there are these quotes of Grothendieck who was so struck when this theorem was um, announced or proven because he'd been thinking along these lines but was surprised at the simplicity of the proof I don't mm. but my French is not very good so I'm not going to read anything in French but <laughs> but I don't know if you want to take a moment to talk about this theorem sure yeah um, so what's what's the so, statement yeah so maybe I'll say um, on route to the statement that it's um, so. Number theorists and arithmetic geometers are interested in ramification, but I'm, maybe I'm going to describe things in terms of covering maps and whether you have branching over covering. So, so like if you had a Riemann surface, you're mapping to Riemann surface, and you had a covering map, you might so it's a covering map. You might expect okay for every point down below, you'd expect the same number of preimages, or for every neighborhood down below, the same number of neighborhoods. So if it's a degree D map, maybe a default cover. Mm -hmm. And I, in fact, I remember my advisor first describing this to me by saying if you had a pancake down below you'd have you know deep pancakes up above and it really mm -hmm. stuck in my head frankly because he was so precise and mathematical in his language at every moment this was one of the most informal things i ever heard him say maybe he was hungry at the moment he's thinking about pancakes but um but so as a concrete example where something different could happen suppose um suppose i was mapping to the riemann sphere and i suppose i had a map like i don't know take a number of cubit like x cubed and started asking what kind of pre-images points have. Like for example, x cubed equals one, there are three roots of unity that map to one, mm -hmm. but something different is happening at zero. So mm -hmm. only zero maps to zero. Mm -hmm. There's no other value that when you cube it, gives you zero. So, so now we no longer have, a, instead of a cover, maybe I'll say we have a cover except at finitely many points. So somehow zero, and in that case, infinity, there's some point at infinity that behaves differently, but everything else has three distinct pre-images. Mm -hmm. And maybe just to make a, a picture, let's take the the interval from zero to one, so a little line segment, the real interval, and we could ask what its pre-image looks like. And so above one, there are three points up above. Mm -hmm. There are three routes you need to map to one. And on the other hand, zero was the only point that mapped to zero. And then for the rest of the interval, all of those points have three mm -hmm. pre-images. So you could draw, maybe I'm picturing now a little a graph on my original surface that's um, got a single vertex, say at zero, mm -hmm. and then three segments going out for each of the pre-images of the real line mm -hmm. and ending at these three roots of unity, ending at the pre-images of one. And so now I'm not even thinking very precisely about what it looks like. I'm just picturing a graph. So I'm being I'm not worrying about how beautiful my drawing is. I just have a one vertex at over zero and then three branches. And so so what number theorists describe in terms of ramification in this setting, we might think of as branching. So these branch points. So I'm interested in in saying when I have a map, um, say to the Riemann sphere or number theorists might say to the projective line, I'm interested in what kind of branching can happen. happen. And it turns out that, so now Belli's theorem, that he realized that in the situation where you're branched over at most three points, so in, in the picture we had over zero and also infinity, I was kind of vague about what's happening in infinity. Mm -hmm. So that was mm -hmm. two points. But if they're at most three points where branching happens, that something very special is going on. So he was looking at maps from curves to the projective line. And in a nutshell, so in a nutshell, really what he proved was that a curve is algebraic if and only if there's one of these coverings that's branched at at most three points. So, so what mm -hmm. is that saying? So saying a curve is algebraic that's an algebraic statement. You're, you're kind of saying, well, if you had an equation for the curve, suppose I could write down um, an equation and then the solutions to that equation are the points of the, the curve. He's saying that the coefficients have to be algebraic numbers. So they don't just have to be integers. I could 
have coefficients like square root of two could be a coefficient mm -hmm. or I or your favorite algebraic number, but not pi or E or mm -hmm. any non-algebraic number. So that's an algebraic statement, but saying that that can happen if and only if, and now he has a map actually from the curve um, where I'm going to say some, from some Riemann surface to the Riemann sphere that's branched over at most three points. That second statement, TB, is very topological. Mm -hmm. And it's actually sort of combinatorial too, because that graph I was describing earlier, people use those to kind of describe what's happening with, mm -hmm. these, with these maps. And so the number of edges, the number of vertices, there's a lot of combinatorial information embedded in that, in that picture. And so, um, so I don't know how much of the theorem really comes through in this oral description, but the point is people were really surprised, including Grothendieck was surprised. And he mm -hmm. was so surprised and agitated, but excited that he wrote a letter to Ledinia and it's been published. Uh, uh, Leila Schnapps has done these amazing volumes about a topic called Dessin d'Enfant or Children's Drawings. But I have to read a piece of this because he wrote something like, oh, Belly announced this very result. So this idea, oh, he says, actually, Delinia, when consulted, found it crazy indeed, but without having a counterexample at hand. Less than a year later, at the International Congress in Helsinki, the Soviet mathematician Belly announced this very result with a proof of disconcerting simplicity contained in two little pages of a letter of Delinia. Never was such a profound and disconcerting result proved in so few lines. So, so Belly had actually figured out... Um, not only a way to show that these maps exist, but he had a construction. And it reminds me of something you're saying earlier, Evelyn, where the construction exists. Maybe it has, it's not an, it's an unwieldy construction in the sense if you really wanted to work with these maps, mm -hmm. you might want to do better. If you try to bound what he did, is something I tried to do earlier, you get these really huge degree bounds on maps that are not so practical in a sense, mm -hmm. but the fact that you could do it. So it was yeah. the fact not only of the existence, but also there was a constructive proof mm -hmm open the door to just lots of other work that folks have done. And maybe I just want to say I was looking, so my French is not good enough to read and translate on the fly, but this disconcerting result, the word that was used, déroutant, can also mean strange and mysterious and unsettling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So even our taxonomy could conclude unsettling proofs or unsettling results. Mm -hmm. or, but I really wanted to put this in the category of something that, that bridges um, different areas because this... Um, this picture I was describing earlier really was just a graph with three edges um, and four vertices is an example of what Groth and Deke call, he nicknamed them des Saint-Enfants or children's drawings. They're mm -hmm. these pre-images yeah. of this interval. And yeah, and so this is a, really a topic that's caught people's imagination. And Groth and Deke was thinking, are there ways to get at the absolute Galois group? Because these, these curves I mentioned were algebraic. So something behind the scenes here is purely algebraic. You can look at Galois actions on, on the coefficient, for example. But meanwhile, you have this topological combinatorial object. And when you apply this action, when you preserve features of the graph, when you preserve the number of vertices and edges and so on, can you talk, start to look at conjugate drawings? Um, and so there's just these doors opened up to these fanciful um, roots, but it also pointed to these bridges um, between areas. Maybe algebraic topology is full of these, but where you have some algebraic um, tools, but you're looking at something topological and um, just so things that bridge or create dictionaries between between mm -hmm. areas in mathematics, mm -hmm. I think, are are really neat. Um, yeah. And so in the end, um, you could even have like you bring a stick figure to life this way. So I described this funny looking graph with just three edges, but you could actually draw a stick figure in this setting labeling vertices and edges. So I'm picturing, I don't know, a little, literally a little stick figure mm -hmm. um, yeah. mm -hmm. and give some mathematical meaning to it. And then through these, through Bailey's theorem and through these dictionaries, actually 
related to curves and so on. And then you can do all kinds of fun things. Like I mentioned some Gawa action, although I wasn't specific about it. You could start to ask, are there little mutant figures in the same family as a stick figure? Maybe there's a stick figure with both arms on one side. And mm -hmm. is that mm -hmm. conjugate somehow to your original? And so so somehow there was something elusive about this. The proof had eluded growth in Deke, but it opened this door to a very fanciful fanciful mathematics. Mm -hmm. um, and there's really been an ex a, a kind of an explosion now of, of work over the years looking at these Dessin d'Enfant. I think mm -hmm. I saw you some podcast, but I saw you nodding when I mentioned this children's drawings. Yeah, well, it's, that's a term I've definitely seen mm -hmm. and then and not really learned anything about it because uh, I must admit algebraic geometry is not something that my mind naturally wants to go and think about a whole lot. Um. Well, there's a lot of machinery and actually one yeah. direction yeah. of value, I said this theorem as an if and only if it one direction was sort of known and takes much more machinery. Mm -hmm. And it was this disconcerting direction, mm -hmm. as, as mm -hmm. Griffin said, that mm -hmm. actually took less somehow. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, some composition of maps and keeping track of ramification or, or using calculus to see where you have multiple images of points um, mm -hmm. or pre-images. Um, yeah, in fact, Growth and Deke, there was one last sentence I found, I called from this great translation by Leila Schnepps, who said, this deep result together with the algebraic geometric interpretation of maps opens the door into a new unexplored world within reach of all who pass without seeing it. And, you know, we really don't usually see mathematicians speaking in these terms about, about their work. So that's something I loved. I also love that Belly's proof was constructive too, because mm -hmm. even if it creates bounds I might not want to use, it became becomes a linchpin in um, in other work that connects the fact that it could be made effective, like not mm -hmm. just that this map exists, but you can actually uh, have some degree bound on a certain map um, is a linchpin. And maybe the funniest example is takes me to my last category, which is how about theorems that may not be theorems? Like when is a theorem, what counts as a theorem? Mm. And there's this statement called the ABC conjecture Oh, well, Which yeah. <laughs> is a so I just Can called it a words. conjecture. Yeah. 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 So is it proven or not? Um, Depends on who you so, ask. <laughs> yeah. So there's, you know, this volume of work by um, Shinichi Mochizuki, who mm -hmm. is, you know, it's 500 plus pages. And he's created this, mm -hmm. I think it was called inner, inner universal Teichmuller theory. Yes. And I, you know, I can't speak to it, but experts chipping away and chipping away. And maybe it's, I don't know if it's too political to say it's in kind of a limbo, Mm -hmm. There's there may be stuff there. There's a lot of machinery there, and yet do lots of people understand and sort of verify this proof? I'm not sure we're there. Um, I mean, he's certainly a respected mathematician, so that's why people are taking it seriously. Yeah, but that's right. But, but didn't Schulze point to one particular lemma that he thought wasn't true, and and the the explanations from Kyoto have not been satisfying. And um, yeah, and I'm not, you know, I don't have my finger on the pulse, but it's yeah. this funny thing where if you unravel a thread, does the whole thing come apart? And on the other hand, when Wiles proved for Ma's mm -hmm. last theorem, well, there then there was some people realized that oh, we need to do a little something more here, mm -hmm. but then it, mm -hmm. it happens and yeah. it, it kind of was consistent with the theory to be able to sure. to fill that in. Yeah, sure. so this is, I don't know, it's exciting to me, um, but it's also daunting. Mm -hmm. But this ABC yeah. conjecture, so, so I mentioned Belly's theorem. So there's a paper that um, assuming the ABC conjecture, we don't know if we have a proof, but going back when we still just call it a conjecture, mm -hmm. you can imply or from that, you get so many other results in number theory that people believe to be mm -hmm. true. And you know, Melkis has this paper, ABC implies Mordell, so Faulting's theorem. And mm -hmm. so these theorems about numbers of points on curves and mm -hmm. and um, 
there's this, I thought this is funny, so I mentioned this last thing, but this paper's been nicknamed by Zon Zaggy, and Mordell is as easy as ABC. And it's <laughs> kind of funny because they're quite difficult. Yeah, no matter right. how you say, I mean, you've got something that's ostensibly still an open problem, mm -hmm. and then something that had a very difficult proof. So to say one thing is as easy as the other, mm -hmm. um, this sort of, well, sort of perfect. Um, yeah, there's much more to say about the ABC conjecture, but maybe that's a topic for my favorite conjecture. <laughs> I did. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> or my favorite mathematical can of worms. That's right. Yes. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. 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 Okay. So. I like this. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I was going to wow. say it might be time for the pairing. So I, I think it is. So, so <laughs> okay. I, I, I think I think maybe you're going to pair something with Bellew's theorem, but. Maybe not. Well, maybe, maybe there's something you know, else. Yeah. I wanted to. I feel like I didn't do justice to Bailey's theorem. And originally, I'll admit it, I was going to say a gingerbread man because I mentioned stick mm, figures. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, pairing, well, I love food, made me think of food, made me think of a gingerbread man because of this theory of de Saint drawings of growth right. index so that you can attach a meaning to this little stick figure. And maybe when you're baking, you start making funny looking figures and those are your Galois conjugates. I don't know. But actually, um, you know, I was so long on this list of theorems. I'll be short. I, I think I just have to go with coffee too. Maybe a gingerbread mm -hmm. bed and, a, and coffee yeah. because just, you know, I wanted to be clever and delicious, but instead I'm just going with coffee because, well, I drink a lot of coffee. They say mathematicians turn coffee into mm -hmm. theorems, so mm -hmm. can't go wrong. And during the pandemic, working at home, I would mm -hmm. say I've consumed a lot of coffee and yeah. um, and and in all its incarnations. And mm -hmm. maybe it takes me back to when I first was hearing about these, um, about Billy's theorem and elsewhere, I was very lucky to have the chance to spend some time in the Netherlands because my advisor, Hendrik Lundstra, was spending time mm -hmm. there. And so mm -hmm. as students, we got to go periods of time it's very influential to me to be there and but there's a coffee you can get in the Netherlands which is probably sort of cafe au lait meets latte but it's called something like coffee for carrot and I'm going to mispronounce it but it basically means messed up coffee <laughs> and that's one of my favorite coffees coffee with mm -hmm. the it has too much milk in it I guess that's what messes it uh, up okay so right. so maybe that will be my pairing just to stick with okay. coffee all right <laughs> yeah well I thought you you might go like a pairing for this whole taxonomy and just go with like oh, the yeah. taxonomy of like animals which you know i feel like we didn't do a great job of like getting theorems exactly into one category or another and historically that has also been true mm -hmm. for our understanding of biology sure. and like how many an kingdoms there are i uh you know in terms of like animals plants and then a bunch of other stuff and so oh that's right i'm counting on someone to hopefully listen enough to this sprawling fanciful discussion and say oh no 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 here's how we should do it and actually come up with a, a yeah. decent but entertaining i hope taxonomy yeah. yeah yeah well we also like to give our guests a chance to plug anything or you know if you have um a website books or projects that you're working on that you want people to be able to find online um Feel free to share those. Yeah, that's such a gracious door that you open to everyone. And and I mean, maybe I do want to say um, in honor of work with collaborators that you know, math sent me on a sort of unusual journey. I mentioned the beginning. So now, for example, looking at an issue of racial profiling and statistics and policy and law. And and I do think that um, there are ways that mathematicians, you know, are very creative and can carry can carry uh, carry that creativity to all of their endeavors, including many of us are spending a lot of time in the in the classroom. And so, so 
that interest has led to a collaboration with Gizem Karali. She's at Pomona College. And so we do have some books that we've been lucky to co-edit. So many creative people have contributed to. So these are books around mathematics for social justice. Mm. There's some essays, they're contributed materials of all sorts. Um, the first volume came out in 2019 in the before times. Mm -hmm. The second volume is, is due out in 2021. Um, and these, but these represent the work of so many people. And actually many of the theorems that have come up in your beautiful podcast have come up there, like Arrow's um, impossibility mm -hmm. theorem around voting theory. Mm -hmm. um, Kevin, I think you've been in talks about gerrymandering and mm -hmm. that's, you can imagine a topic of great, sure. of great, great interest. And these materials are more introductory mm -hmm. for folks to bring into the classroom. Um, but, but as I said, I think mathematicians are very creative and so it's neat to see what other people have done. And so I hope others will be inspired by those examples as they're you know, creating authentic engagement and, and cultivating critical thinking for ourselves mm -hmm. and the, you know, all the students we work with. Yeah, well, we'll make sure to put links to that in the show notes. Sure, yep. Well, thank you for a sprawling conversation This, this has today. been a sprawl, but this has been a lot of fun, actually. I felt I like, really yeah. I, I kind of felt like you were interviewing us a little more. So this is oh, good. Oh, yeah, that sounds fun to me. <laughs> this no, is I'm, good, yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is a great one. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to look forward to editing this one. This will be a good time. So. Well, maybe a lot will end up on the editing. Floor. I hardly That's ever cut too. anything out. I, I really don't. There's always a first. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah I, I you're, just, on, you're on the hot seat. Yep. <laughs> Lily, right. thanks so much for joining us. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you for your time. Thanks for listening to My Favorite Theorem, hosted by Kevin Knudsen and Evelyn Lane. The music you're hearing is a piece called Fractalia, a percussion quartet performed by four high school students from Gainesville, Florida. They are Blake Crawford, Gus Knudsen, Del Mitchell, and Bao Chan Wen. You can find more information about the mathematicians and theorems featured in this podcast, along with other delightful mathematical treats, at Kevin's website, kpknudson.com, and Evelyn's blog, Roots of Unity, on the Scientific American Blog Network. We love to hear from our listeners, so please drop us a line at myfavoritetheorem at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Kevin's handle on Twitter is at Nivik that's Kevin spelled backwards followed by Knudsen spelled backwards, and Evelyn's is at Evelyn J. Lamb. The show itself also has a Twitter feed. The handle is M-Y-F-A-V-E-T-H-M. That's at my favorite theorem. Join us next time to learn another fascinating piece of mathematics.